so you're uh was it a direct TV guy? Yep. Okay. So you're direct so you so it was the satellite and everything. So you got the satellite approved and all that. Yeah, that was a nightmare. That whole process was a nightmare from beginning to end. Multiple nightmares. <laughs> uh all happening at once. And it was capped off by this guy coming over and just immediately spilling his guts about his dissolving marriage. Yeah. And he's from Tennessee. And I was like, you're all the way out here doing work. He's like, yeah, I told my boss I need to get out of here. Oh, so he currently lives in Tennessee. Currently lives in Tennessee. Jeez. He's all the way out in Virginia working to get away from this situation. Right. <clears throat> and it basically devolved to the point where he looked at me and he was just like, honestly, I'm just hoping that one of these people I install for is a psychiatrist and they can help me. And I'm like, well, not this house, but at the same time, and I told him this, and I mean it. You know, I was like, I'm glad that you're wanting to have a real conversation than coming and talking about the weather. Mm-hmm. But there are two things that I struggle with. Number one, the length of it. it he talked about nothing else for, right. for an hour, yeah. but his dissolving marriage and every different aspect that he could think of to talk about. And the other thing was, you know, you you do kind of sit there and you're like, yeah, conversation's boring when you just talk about traffic and the weather. Mm -hmm. But then you get a taste of the alternative. (laughs) And then you realize, like, that's why small talk, that's why we as a species develop small talk. Yeah. Because you talking about, you know, your daughter that just got eaten by some animal back in the Stone Age. Uh Uh-huh. There's only so much that you can talk about that before somebody's like, hey, can we talk about? Isn't uh, there a the middle ground, though? <laughs> I feel like there's got to be a middle ground there, right? That's not small talk. That's not, not small talk. And it's not my life is falling apart because my wife wants a divorce. Well, I guess that's kind of the point of this podcast, right? I mean, yeah. we are kind of having those middle ground conversations. These are the these are the conversations that, you know, you kind of want to have with people like seen any good movies lately Right. What are you listening to? Yeah. Not, and, and it's not, how's your marriage? It's, hey, man, uh, so I got kicked out right. of my house, and I'm on the run from, you know, my wife. Mm-hmm. And just blow by blow, you know? It, but it made me think of you and all the interactions you have at your work with people who mm-hmm. are just always, it seems to me like you're always having those kind of interactions with people. Yeah, well, I think my issue is that I'm so uncomfortable with small talk in general. That you push it to the deep talk? No, that I just, I prefer total silence (laughs) to any form of communication. You know what I mean? Because most people aren't comfortable with the deep talk, right? Like this guy is obviously bringing this stuff up to you because he's in a very desperate place. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. He's talking to me out of desperation. Right, yeah. Yeah. Whereas most people aren't going to do that. Most people would rather just be like, let's get this over with and talk about the weather, right? We're just going to talk about this insignificant thing to get past the next 10 or 20 minutes or whatever. But I would, I'm just so uninterested in those things that most of the time I either just don't pick up on it and I don't think to like engage in it and so I just kind of sit there <laughs> dumbly and don't really say anything, or I'm just not interested and I just don't really care to to engage with it. I think both those things are linked, more linked than you think they are. <laughs> I think you are kind of checking out. The first one is a symptom of the second one. <laughs> you don't care, so you're just not. Right. You're sitting there dumbly because you're like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had We had a similar thing happen when we moved into this house the Cox guy showed up and he was like a contractor or whatever, but he came in and he just started talking to me about raising a daughter on his own. You know, what did he say? He's like, he's like, uh, I'm 28. I'm 28 years old. She just turned 14. And then he lets it sit there for a little bit. And he goes, yeah, that's right. I was 14 when she was born. And I just be like, all right. Like I wasn't like, wasn't judging you in any way, buddy. Like I understand <laughs> things happen and he just keeps going on. And, and but then he's like, 
eventually he starts talking to me about like her starting to get into dating boys and her getting her period and like all of these things. And I'm just like, I just got home from work. Like I have no, like, cause he showed up when my mom was watching the girls and she's like, man, he just goes on. But it's like, I guess that is somewhat of a middle ground, right? Because it's not like this guy was just chatty, right? He just liked to talk. He's not like I need somebody to I need somebody to lean on right now. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe he's talking to you not out of desperation, which is one thing. It seems like he had a rehearsed thing he was going to as well. Like, yeah, yes, my daughter's turned fourteen, but um, boom, mm-hmm. I'm twenty eight. You know, whatever. Yeah. So it seemed like you were caught in a man's routine. Potentially, it seems to happen a lot to me. His act, yeah, All right. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to uh, run an idea by you. Um, I'm ready. So the early reviews of Selfless have been rolling in. I know you saw my text message, which you did not respond to. Well, what am I going to say to that? You know, (laughs) Um, (sighs) they are really not good. Uh, (laughs) So my proposal is that you admit that the movie is bad without having even seen it and that you lose the bet but then we call the bet off because I don't want to have to pay $10 to go see that movie in the theaters or would you rather ride it out to the bitter end the bitter end of the slushy poop puppy pouch (laughs) well what what are we going to do with the slushy you have to eat it puppy so Wait, oh, you no, said no, no, call no. it off. Uh, no, we... if we call it off, it goes in the garbage. Oh. Or maybe I'll give it to the dog. Which would, I, I would probably like, kill him. I would like I would like garbage. to try and see Willie try and <laughs> choke that thing down. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a little torn, honestly. Okay. Number one, because I think I said this when I made the bet. I kind of made the bet on principle that you are just so staunchly not interested in new media largely that I wanted to make a stand. Now I picked the wrong horse mm-hmm. to stand on, but I stand by my stand. No, but that that's the, that's exactly the problem is I'm not just, I'm just not, I'm not just dismissing these things just to dismiss them. I dismiss selfless because it is, a movie starring Ben Kingsley and Ryan Reynolds directed by Tarsum. Like that, like I feel like that could be any movie critics review of the movie. And that would stand as a movie movie review of it. Well, like, you know what you're getting with those three elements. Well, I mean, there there are reasons why I pick selfless too. Um, It wasn't just arbitrary, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we have this podcast. We can go back and listen to how many things you were excited about. You were down on Mad Max, right? Remember that? No, I no, I was excited oh. about Mad Max, and then you had, but I was worried. Cultural bias. I was remorse, worried, like but I, I thought about. I was really excited about it. But I was worried because I had, at some point, gotten so excited about it that I realized it would be nearly impossible for the movie to live up to the level of excitement that I had for the movie. I feel like I will concede. Okay. But I almost want to just make another bet with you. Okay. Keep the thing going and just pick a fall movie All right. that you're just not excited about that I will stand behind and then just do it then because it was impulsive. It was a larger stand <laughs> in choosing selfless. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I'm not big on Tarsum. I like the right. fall and I think he has visual style. Um so, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind pushing it forward. Okay, that's fine. We, okay. Then what we'll do is next episode, after having looked at what's coming out in the fall, we'll have another challenge on it. Okay. All right. So I watched a movie or my wife and I, we watched a documentary on Netflix called Fed Up. Have you seen that? It's the thing with the M&Ms on the cover. I have. About sugar and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting. 
I think uh, I fell asleep with like 20 minutes left. You absolutely did fall asleep. Then. <laughs> if you think you fell asleep, no, I fell asleep. You absolutely fell asleep. I, yeah. fell, I definitely fell asleep. I'm unclear on how much of the documentary was left, but I feel like it was maybe like 20 minutes to go. I was kind of dozing uh, in and out throughout the movie. Throughout you the need more sugar. Potentially, yeah, you need to keep yeah. There you, you go. But this is this is the this is the question I have after watching Fed Up. Like I said, Fed Up was good. It's interesting. Go watch it. I don't understand how people are able to watch things in their bed without falling asleep. <laughs> right? As soon as I get in bed, my body, body wants registers. to go to sleep. Yeah. It doesn't want to like spend two hours watching something. It wants to just go to sleep. But the, but like my wife loves watching things in bed. Um, you know, I used to go to sleep with the TV on. Yeah. Growing up and Elise refuses to have a TV in our bedroom. Mm -hmm. She does not want that at all. I think it's because she does like when she's in bed, she wants to go to sleep. Yeah. Although now she looks at her phone for over an hour. Right. So I feel like what's the difference? Right. I'm going to push to get TV in our, (laughs) in our room now. Um, yeah, I think, and I, isn't there like kind of studies showing you get a worse sleep? Right. Screens with like a screen. and all that stuff totally screw over your sleep. It screw over your, yeah. your, your sleep. So, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess for those reasons, it's probably better not to have a, right. have a screen in your room when you're trying to go to sleep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, that's kind of how I feel for, for me, it's a mindset, right? Mm-hmm. I could be on the couch. If I get in a certain position, yeah, my mindset is I'm I'm prioritizing sleep right now mm-hmm. versus I'm engaged in this. I'm staying in an awkward position yeah. in bed. I, I just think it's it's easier to get in that position where you're like, all right, my priorities have switched. Now mm-hmm. I'm prioritizing sleep. Yeah. Uh, something else I watched in our bed this week and maybe this past week at least was John Wick. Yeah, you saw John Wick. A lot of headshots. Right. Did you watch it with Elise or you saw it by yourself? I did. What did she think of it? Um, She was like, uh, that was okay. She wasn't really big. I don't think, you know, she she wasn't into the tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. winky Keanu Reeves, don't call it a comeback, kind of, I forget his specific line in there, um, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think she was like, eh, it was okay. She didn't have an issue with the violence. Maybe she made one comment about being yeah. a little too violent, but I don't think it was. Julie had a hard time watching it because of how violent it is. There's a lot of headshots. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was, and that's what I was going to say. A lot of people love this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you like it? Um, I, I wasn't crazy about it. Right. I liked it for, for what it was yeah. and for what it was doing. It, it is extremely like, and I, and I think part of the, part of what they're doing is, Hey, in your action films where people are like shooting you in the in the arm or mm-hmm. whatever, and people are going down for real, that's not how a real assassin would do it. A, a right. true kind of killer would go for the headshot every time. He'd go for the headshot. Right. So I think that they're kind of like seeing that through and being like, "This is what it would look like." Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's purposeful. I don't think that they're unaware of the violence that they that they put in their film. Um, so I, I guess I kind of explained it away that way mm-hmm. that their intention was that. And I, I let it go a little bit, but yeah, no, if you're not alarmed by that violence, I think you have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The violence didn't bother me so much because it most, it's so obviously fake. First of all, it's like right. the Robert Rodriguez violence where it's right. like, you can tell these are just sort of guys running through their marks Right, and then in editing, they just digitally added in all the bullets and all the gunshots and everything. But I just, on principle, I don't find watching one guy shoot people in the head for an hour and a half entertaining. <laughs> right, like there's no real fight scenes. It's really just him running through different um, scenes and shooting everyone in the head, and it's just <laughs> kind of like this is a little monotonous. Like I don't find this interesting at all. Like. I didn't really, I guess I, what it reminded me of was the first raid movie. Yeah. Um, where it was supposed to be this really great action movie, 
But like for the first hour and a half, you're just watching people shoot each other, really, right? And it's not until you get to that scene um, where somebody is tied up or something, right? And they start to actually fight each other. And it's like there's like karate involved that it gets interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But I don't that just didn't appeal. So I was, uh, was a little I mean, I guess I got the ton, the tongue in cheek nature of it. I was just really disappointed because, like I said, it's basically all you or like you said, it's just all headshots. Yeah. He's watching this guy shoot everyone in the head. <laughs> just like, OK, well. That doesn't it, really uh, do it for me. It is one of the movies that you make that makes you think like how much and when should I be laughing? Mm-hmm. Like, are they literally in the editing room, like cracking up at all the headshots? Are they like fist pumping all the headshots? Right. You know, you don't yeah. really know where where that line is. For, for me, it got monotonous. But I think and again, I'm really straining here months after seeing it. Mm-hmm. I think I appreciated it more, definitely more than at least it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watched a movie called Slow West. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Michael Fassbender. Okay. Who I will, I literally, I think I have to this point seen everything other than maybe a short film. It's a done. new movie. Mm-hmm. With Cody Smith McPhee in it. Oh yeah, the kid. The kid mm-hmm. from The Road, I think was his first. Okay. Big break. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> or maybe it's not him. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I rented Slow West, um, and like you, Elise fell asleep. Um, and it is, to me, like I love Westerns. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you like Westerns? Uh, not really. I, I like Sergio Leone films. That's about it. You're, you're either mythologizing the West or right. you're commenting on the mythologizing of the West. Right. That's, those are the two modes. And this is definitely commentary mode. And everyone was talking about this final shootout that happened that people are like, it's amazing. Like you mm-hmm. people are like, oh, okay, film, great final 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, And it does. It has a great looking setting for a final shootout. The mechanics of the final shootout, I really have a problem with. Is it a modern Western or it's supposed to be like a period piece? It's a period piece. Okay. Uh, And basically it's this idealistic kid who's looking for his long lost love who had Mm -hmm. to flee Ireland Mm -hmm. and she moved out West in America and he's, going to find her and there's stuff like you know he finds her i mean you know where it's all going mm-hmm. um and that's even stuff like that where you're like how how does he find you know what i mean like she's out in the literally in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. like stumbles out of the forest it's like oh, there she is you know <laughs> and you're like i mean it doesn't you know so it is working on commentary level and, and they are saying something about the idealism of the west and that being kind of brought together in the violence of the West, mm-hmm. right? And um, and it's interesting on that level. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm going to say people running towards somebody with a gun. Mm-hmm. What, what's your feeling about that in a movie? I guess it depends on the scenario. Does it, does it, it really make, depend on the scenario? It doesn't make sense when you say it out loud. I mean, is the person with the gun actively trying to shoot the people that are running towards him? No, is the person with the gun actively trying to shoot the people he's running towards? Yes. Okay. And so, they're running back towards him? No. they're running away? They're, un- they're in cover. Well, he shouldn't they're he in the house. Shouldn't he be an easy target then? Exactly. All right. And I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. That's, okay. that's one kind of pet peeve that takes me out of the movie. Okay. But it's also, you could argue that it's the West and it's a period piece. And the whole, you know, the whole thing with those guns is, is that they're incredibly inaccurate. Inaccurate. Yeah. I, I, you know, I guess you could say that at some point you give up and you're like, I'm bum rushing this mm-hmm. house. But to see somebody yelling and screaming, holding a gun, and then they get shot backwards and they're killed. In any scenario, just it's for a like, second. It's kind of like, what would you expect? Yeah, it takes yeah. me out of it. It's like, 
So this is a bandit who apparently made it to, you know, over 30 years old, who <laughs> at some point in his mind, he thinks it's good to run at somebody with a gun. His base instinct <laughs> leads him to just charge a house full of people with guns. I could understand if he's like a 12 year old bandit and this right. is, you know, his second big shootout, but not a, not a grizzled bandito, uh-huh. you know, who's like, all right, they're smoking me out of my hideout. I mm-hmm. guess the only thing I can do is run right at them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. All those are nitpicks, right? It's a good movie. I'm getting down to it's a good movie yeah. with with little things like that that just kind of kept popping up. And you have to be interested in the commentary on the Western genre, I think, to like this film. I, I don't imagine anybody's going to just watch this back, Ray for a good time, and get to the end and be like, <laughs> totally satisfying. Uh, who's it directed by? It's actually directed by a new. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A, a new, and is I think it a, it's his first an American film. movie, or is it like an Australian movie? Isn't it's, Michael Fassbender not American? He's Irish. He's and, oh, okay. Um, so I mean, I and I don't know much. I looked a little bit uh, like the director. I think he's Irish, and I think I remember when I was reading about this a little bit that it was it wasn't shot in the West. I think it was mm-hmm. shot in New Zealand or something like mm-hmm. that. I I could be making all that up, but. So it's it's supposed to be American West, and I don't think anything about it was shot in in the West, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody involved in it is really, yeah, from America. Um, you got away to the theaters, and you got to see Jurassic World. So it was between Inside Out and Jurassic World, and we uh-huh. knew that Inside Out would be the better film. We're also holding out hope that we can get our six-year-old to uh-huh. Inside Out. Probably not going to happen. You saw him not when after his Aladdin, reaction to the Lion King. <laughs> well, and did you see his reaction to Aladdin? None he was so. right by my ear, and he screamed like, Dad, like it was blood curdling, <laughs> and it was just the genie like was <laughs> changing possession to Jafar. Uh-huh. Oddly, when Jafar turned into the big snake, totally fine with. Didn't him. care. Yeah, he was laughing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't get it. So anyway. I don't I don't think we'll be able to get him out to see that, but we were like, what if? And for one night out in forever, I can't remember the last movie we saw at the theater. Uh-huh. I was like, you kind of have to go for the big screen experience, right? Let's just go see Jurassic World because mm-hmm. if Inside Out is on the TV, I don't think we're going to be losing much. You could correct mm-hmm. me on that. No. Right. So, yeah, we and decided. Jurassic World, I think, despite terrible marketing and terrible trailers received an overwhelmingly positive response, right? And it's like one of the highest grossing films of all time. Oh, right. It's crazy. So we went and saw that. And, you know, a lot of people are really dinging it for the stupidity Mm -hmm. of the characters specifically. And I, I read an article the other week where basically the guy writing the article was like, you know, when people say turn off your brain, they're miss, they're not approaching a movie in the right way. Mm-hmm. Like you should never say, just turn off your brain and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Because that means it's a dumb film. Right. You're having to make yourself dumber mm-hmm. in order to enjoy it. So why is that okay? Um. So I, I kind of agree with that and I'm trying to not do that because I am somebody who, you know, I like a good genre film, and I would say John Wick is you know not especially mm-hmm. smart. Sure, you know, um, and so Jurassic World, I, I tried to approach as like a, I'm going to think my way through this, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you realize why people want to turn off their brain because it's not <laughs> enjoyable, you know, <laughs> and I think you get sidetracked by by things that you don't know whether they are things or not. Like somebody running at a house with a gun mm-hmm. in slow west. You think, oh, that's stupid. And then you think, should I even be noticing that? Should I just, <laughs> you know, the guy's dead, right? So whether right. he died running at the house or whether it was a lucky shot, you know, mm-hmm. where he was hiding, the guy's dead. Mm-hmm. Done. So I always have that, like, pull, you know? But there's one thing that people made made a point of. Not sure if you've read any reviews. But Bryce Dallas Howard, 
apparently it was her idea to like stay in high heels the whole movie. Yeah, I heard that, which is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. And apparently the reason why the director gave was because she wanted to be like, this is a strong, strong you know, female, female character, right? Character, and she can do this. She can be badass with high heels on, right? Which is, which is, anyway, I won't get into it. Anyways, no, it's not. It's it's, well, it's, it's a stupid conventional. It's like conventional wisdom. It just is just like the idea that a woman is any more inclined to wear high heels over just like regular shoes or sneakers when regular sneakers would be appropriate. Like there's nothing feminist about that. That just makes you stupid. Right. Well, yeah. And I guess that's, it would be like a man being like, instead of wearing these sneakers to go play basketball, I'm going to play in my penny loafers because I'm a businessman to the end. You know what I mean? Just as like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) White men can't jump with, with penny loafers (laughs) on Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I will say this. I could see how, given her character, why she would think that. I don't think it's completely out of left field, mm-hmm. you know, but the culmination of her character, again, maybe minor spoiler alert. I don't, I'm not going to give any details. Mm-hmm. Involves her running. And I just can't get over that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you can't make that decision when the fi- your final you know, kind of culmination of your character involves running. Mm -hmm. It just draws attention to like, hey, look at this decision I made, you know? And that, to me, defeats the purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then you're having people think about that and not about the film, not about your character. They're thinking about your shoes. Yeah. And they're saying, that's impossible. Right. Um, So I, I had a problem with that. I did like the... I did like some of the set pieces. I thought they were okay. Mm-hmm. None of them stood out, and I think every reviewer said this. None of it stands out to like. Was Jurassic Park for you like the one of the heights of movie going of your childhood? Oh yeah, for me it totally yeah, was absolutely. And this this is not that. And then people also talk about, and it's true, it gets too caught up in commentary about itself. You know, mm. Jurassic World is. A commentary on Jurassic World, and yeah. there's only so much you, so far you can go with that. So you can't be stupid and, you know, so self-aware that you just are finding all these moments to reference. Mm-hmm. But it does have some moments of brilliance that I wish, if they could just have unshackled, I think themselves from, you know, the previous film and from, you know, dumb character decisions. Mm-hmm. I think they really had something. But here's the last question I have for you about Jurassic World. We're in a pitch meeting. Imagine that you're a writer mm-hmm. and I'm coming to you. We're, we're in charge of writing Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. And I come to you and I say, Justin, I got it. Mm-hmm. Raptors that have been imprinted right. by a human mm-hmm. and he can train them. Train them. Yeah, no. That sounds, that, that was, when I, heard that that was um chris pratt's character that's what he did i've i lost all interest in that movie whatsoever they do the best they can with it i mm. will say that they actually make it where that plot point doesn't stand up more than the shoes that mm-hmm. that um bryce Howard is wearing um but you can't shake it at the end where you go oh you know, like they're, they're, I get it. I get they're imprinted on. So, you know, from birth and it's not like he has free reign of them. That's one thing I did like. Mm-hmm. There's a scene that shows that he's in danger when he's with them. So I thought, okay, that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But the film doesn't. Yeah. I would have, I for sure have to go. I would have been like, Hey guys, back to the drawing board. That's a yeah. terrible idea. So uh, Joss Whedon famously uh, sort of railed against the gender, the gender politics, politics of the movie. Did you pick up on any of that or did you feel that that is justified? And it was based off of it was based the, off the woman clip that they not- that they revealed where as far as my understanding, my remembrance of it is he tweeted that after they posted like a sneak peek, just like quick 
clip of the scene where Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are sort of going back and forth and he's kind of hitting on her Mm -hmm. and being a little crude about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chris Pratt is actually kind of a problem in the film. He is kind of retrograde in his treatment, but Mm. then they try to overcome it by giving her stuff to do as well. And I think the slash film talked about it and I do agree. They made Chris Pratt too cool. Like Mm -hmm. he is just, everything he does is unbelievably cool. Mm -hmm. And every decision he makes is the right decision. And every stance that he makes is the correct stance. And, you know, you you just, at some point that is what I feel worse about, you know, than anything else. It's Mm -hmm. like, you didn't have to make your character that cool. Like you kind of felt like the writers or whoever, maybe the director was like, Chris, I love you, man. We got the best part for you ever. We mm-hmm. created this just for you. You're mm-hmm. going to love, it. you know, and it's like, yeah, you idealize him too much, you right. know, and yeah. calm down a bit, you know, make him conflicted or mm-hmm. uh, it, it was, that was, yeah, that was a little too much. It's, it's definitely a movie that, you know, if you engage it and you turn your brain on and you keep it going after the film, more stuff pops up where you're like, oh, that was, you know, I didn't like the way that resolved. That was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does kind of end in a CG fest that you do wonder at what point are filmmakers going to read a script and go, all right, so this culminates in a huge robot coming out of the ocean right. and fighting, you know, a big monster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. When are they going to say, you know what, let's, let's actually do something different. Mm-hmm. And Jurassic World is not interested in doing anything different with this finale. It's, it's Godzilla. You know, mm-hmm. again, and you're just, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's what I expected. I was surprised by all the positive reviews it was getting. I sound super negative. It, it, I can still see going with a bunch of people and being like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, it was good. It mm-hmm. was, it was good, but it wasn't, it, it shouldn't be the highest grossing film of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so after my, um, recommendation of Vince Staples last week. You decided to listen. I did. So what'd you think? I really liked it. It's great, right? It's it's really, really great. I I really want to it's it's an album that makes you want to dig into it. Right. You know, and really pick apart the lyrics and mm. how much of it is he writing as kind of autobiography and how much of it is he writing as a story. Mm-hmm. Um I will say on the on the surface, I was inter- I, I was kind of surprised by how much gun talk there is in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like pretty blatant. Which and people are saying these kind of like bring old school back a little mm-hmm. bit, and that is kind of like from nineties. Yeah, but I think he's he's approaching it smartly. Like he's not talking about like getting his big clip and mm-hmm. blasting people away, and like that's. The point, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's kind of saying something, making a commentary on broader culture with that. Mm-hmm. But did that stand out to you? How many songs he references guns and his gun? and uh, Not particularly. Mm-hmm. What really just, uh, it was just sort of the, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of rap anymore. So I don't, I guess I don't really have a lot of ground to stand on when it comes to comparing it to other Rap artists? Do you listen to Kendrick Lamar? No, I okay. never got into Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. I just, the whole, like, that to me is what Kendrick Lamar's last album was. It was like, listening to it on a surface level, it was like, man, this is like really crude. Mm-hmm. But then people are like, oh yeah, but that's the point. It's kind of like, all right, well, but still really crude. <laughs> Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, and at 33, that's just not really my thing anymore. Maybe right. if I was younger, I could get into it. But at this point, I just kind of like, I'm, I've turned in, I've turned too old to be able to look past all of that, you know, and listen to it on a regular basis. I could maybe get, I, I feel the same, same way with like ASAP Rocky stuff. I haven't listened to any of his new stuff, but when his first album came out, I just really loved the actual sound of it mm-hmm. and the way he was 
um, mashing up all these styles together. But man, the lyrics are so terrible and they're so stupid mm-hmm. that I just can't listen to it because yeah. I'm just like, I can't, this is, I cannot, I can't get past this. It's so dumb. Um, and I, I understand that's the point of Kendrick's last album. I just couldn't get into it. And I haven't even listened to his new stuff because that single was crazy sounding, right? <laughs> yeah. His voice sounded so weird. But the, the, but the thing that struck me with Vince Staples is that he is kind of able to walk that line. You know what I mean? Whereas like some of this stuff, it is still pretty harsh, but I, f- I feel like there is a point to it. Yeah. And I, I guess that's all I really wanted to say about it. I'm yeah. going to go back and listen to it again. This is not, I didn't tell you I did listen to this, but, but I did. Um, I don't know who I was listening to. Somebody talked about Miguel <laughs> and the Mi- singer, the singer, <laughs> and he has a new album out. Uh-huh. And the guy was talking about, uh, and this is something else that I, maybe we can talk about later on on another episode, just about music critics. I don't get music critics, like yeah. popular music critics. I don't, I don't understand their role. I don't understand what they do. I don't stand, understand what they listen to when they talk about music nowadays because. It all seems crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It seems crazy that this guy, and again, I forget who it was, you know, f- well-respected music critic. He threw out a bunch of albums. I listened to them all, and they're all terrible. <laughs> they are really, truly awful. Uh-huh. And um, Miguel, he's like, you know, and Miguel, you know, his first album was amazing, and this next album is, you know, it's an A-minus album, but... Uh, you know, for Miguel, but you know, A minus for Miguel is <laughs> A plus for everybody else. <laughs> sure. So Spotify, I was playing video game, and a lot of times I'll turn the sound off and listen to podcasts or whatever. And uh, I, I, for whatever reason, who knows? I, I remember that, and I pull mm. up Miguel because I'm just looking for new music. Have you have you ever heard Miguel? Never. Okay. Never. <laughs> Never heard Miguel. <laughs> okay. He has a song. I don't even know it's Valley something. I have Valley, no idea. The Valley. Yeah, no idea. You talk about like crude <laughs> or whatever. Like I can't imagine. Like there's something about being like sexual and suggestive. Uh-huh. And, you know, somebody was talking about the other day and I agree. Like sexual healing is a great song. Sexual mm-hmm. healing somehow can be very overt, but also not gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Whereas his song, like he's, he lit the the chorus. It's just him listing like body parts, like in the most crude way possible. I'm like, I can't imagine having to sing this night after night after night, and I can't imagine anybody listening to this and being like, uh-huh. "Yeah, this gets me in the mood." Uh-huh. Like he's literally just. There's something about saying like, "I'm going to sing about sex," and there's something about like, "I'm actually going to sing about the process of having sex," mm-hmm. literally blow by blow, mm-hmm. and that's what Miguel apparently again not having heard him before mm-hmm. apparently that's what he likes to sing about is not about sex like marvin gay he likes to sing about this is how i have sex <laughs> blow by blow uh, in a chorus he's like the new r kelly right <coughs> except r kelly puts it all in cooking metaphors right almost, almost exclusively <laughs> right um yeah, I've never listened to Miguel before, but I've seen, first of all, I know that his artistic name is Miguel, and I've seen pictures of him, and I know what kind of music he makes, and so I just made assumptions from there. Uh, and I don't, I'm, I just can't get into that to begin with, which I think is probably one of the reasons why I don't, I couldn't really get into, uh, what's his name? Leon Bridges. Not that they're the same type of music, but it just is like, I don't know, R&B is just, it's a little too boring. I've been me. listening to the album more and more, and I I now think it is a great album. All right. Um, you've con- you've continued playing Hearthstone. Yeah. So you were talking to me a little bit about the yeah. struggles you've run into, and I kind of wanted to bring that up briefly because you've talked about a little bit about the grinding aspect of mm-hmm. playing Destiny right now. Yeah. And Hearthstone has like slipped into the same routine for me. Mm-hmm. Where I will sometimes wake up in the morning and just instinctively like reach my phone, open Hearthstone <laughs> to do the few things I need to do to right. get through that daily right. thing and then move on with my life and yeah. not really play. 
And, you know, I have to ask myself, like, what, what's it for? Like, why, why am I doing this? You know, um, I think that, I mean, I, I know why I still enjoy it to Mm -hmm. a certain extent or else I wouldn't be doing it as much, but you do get to a point in the game where sometimes I think it's like anything else. It's like working out. The first two weeks are terrible. You keep pushing through and then it becomes a routine Mm -hmm. where like you have to be doing that. And I feel like I'm there now. Like I've settled into like, this is my life now. My life is (laughs) Hearthstone Uh as a piece of it, Uh you know, throughout every day because it gives you daily tasks. (laughs) Yeah, it gives you daily tasks. So I just got to do my daily tasks and then I'm done. Yeah. You know? Um, But that's where I'm at with Hearthstone. But I keep going. Like, and I don't know if it's just the achievement. Like now I'm, I can be in the top 15% of people playing and that, is somehow rewarding psychologically or Mm -hmm. if I do just enjoy the game, but there are times when I hate the game, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's just so I'll go on a bad run or something Mm -hmm. and it doesn't reward you. That's the other thing. If anybody else plays Hearthstone, tell me, do you guys get better cards than I do when you put in a lot of time and effort? I feel like I should literally own every single card (laughs) with how much I'm not spending a cent on it. That's the other thing I'm trying to do. Uh, and it's just a lot of work for very little return. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was saying about uh, Destiny and the entitlement issue. And it's like I'm coming up on I'm probably at like 750 hours played in Destiny and I don't have everything. And not only that, there's not like a clear path for me to get everything because so much of the game is random but it's also it's like yeah i'm i'm dangerously close to the point in destiny where it's like i'm beyond where i'm going to be beyond the i have to do this every single day in order to get here because at this point i've gotten all the weapons i want i've gotten probably 90 percent of the gear i want with the stat rolls on it that i want to where I can kind of spec for any situation that I'm playing for. And the last thing that's left is to get a little bit more of that gear. And then I'm ready to kind of do everything to anything I want to do. But it's kind of like, am I going to want to play the game once I get to that once point? I do that. Once I lose the incentive of do this, do this to get this. And I just have this. Am I going to play it anymore? And with all of the controversy going around the game and how there's sort of how I feel like they're treating current players, I can see a very easy path out. Out. To say, like, this is my chance to take a break from this game. Maybe play something else. Maybe just take a break for a little bit and reevaluate and then see where I'm at after the, a week or two weeks or whatever. So, well, I don't know. I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Although mine doesn't cost anything. That's, I think that's one that keeps me going. Right. Well, mine doesn't either outside of the initial that's true. buy-in. But yeah, it's not free to play. Right. And that's what I'm facing too. It's like, do I pay? F- am I going to buy the next DLC? Or uh, I don't know what they're calling it, but they're, they're not calling game. it DLC. Yeah, they're not calling it DLC. Last week, I recommended Donna Stevens' photo set called Idiot Box. It's just as a mm-hmm. 10 photos, maybe. Um, and the idea was that I saw the link. It was probably it was probably on Vox when I first saw it. Um, and I'm sure they had a clickbaity head t- uh, <laughs> title that was just was like, this these photos will make you rethink letting your kids watch, watch TV, TV right but as far as i could tell the the donna stevens herself was presenting it with little commentary um but it's just as a set of photos of kids uh, photos taken while kids are watching tv right 
But if you look at the photos, you can tell that they're very, it's very obviously meant to be, or they're taken at like the worst possible moment where the kids look their stupidest. Right. Right. (laughs) So I just thought it was, I had a handful of thoughts about it. Um, and I just wanted you to look at it to see how you felt about the, about the series. Yeah. And I think, you know, boiling down my reaction to one superficial statement, it would be your face can look like that doing anything. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Um, but it really made me think like, like I said, it's, from what I could tell, it's not presented with a lot of commentary from Donna Stevens. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of left to interpret it how you want. But at the same time, the the photos are the photos themselves, I think, are are fairly send a fairly obvious message. Right. But I don't know if that's like the point, because, you know, the whole I guess the whole point of art is to like evoke some sort of feeling. Right. Which reaction. this certainly does for me um which is kind of that which is just like this is manipulative um i understand the point but at the same time like i know we've talked about it before but i feel like there's i understand this set of people that are like we need to keep screens away from our kids and they shouldn't interact with any sort of tablet or anything before they're 18 or you know what I mean? Like an hour of TV does this to you or whatever. It's just kind of like there's a, I just kind of feel like that's, it's, that's the world we live in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm not advocating for just sitting your kid down in front of an iPad or TV and letting him be for five hours straight. But, and I know I've said this before, but Sophia would not know her ABCs as well as she does, or I, I should say as early as she did, if it wasn't for watching Sesame Street every day or the alphabet games that she played on the iPad when we let her play. Um, and I feel like that gets lost. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's it, it's one of these arguments that's it's very easy to be just on the extremes of it. Yeah. And the truth kind of lies in the middle. You know what I mean? It's right. kind of like, yeah, nobody... I don't think parents are really advocating for like just giving them an iPad and go about your day. But at the same time, I don't think you should be advocating for like no technology at all until they're 16 because this is what it does to their brains. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, I think whatever it's doing to their brains is probably going to be useful when they're like 25 and literally every single thing you do is on a tablet. Yeah. And I wonder too, if, and this is totally, this could be the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. <laughs> but I wonder if there's a certain adaptation that happens, right, in children's brains as they grow up a cer- with a new technology. Yeah. So with any technological advance, there's always been the outcry reaction against it, you know? Yeah. And fear, fear-mongering of like, mm-hmm. you know, the devil's in it, you know, whether it's the radio, you know, or and the radio will give you uh, cancer or whatever uh, because no one understands it, you know. And from what I understand, from what I've read, the main, main argument people have against screens is it disrupts their sleep. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Right. I think it's that. I think it's like attention disorder stuff. They have a hard time paying attention. Yeah. On that stuff, too. I wonder, like, what are you showing your kids? You know, like, are you just are you just showing them like quick cut, you know, flashing images all the time? Are you making them deal with storylines and interesting kind of images and Mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I. I like you. I do. I feel like, you know, we watched a documentary, Ballet 422, while you didn't really it was on in the room that you were in <laughs> but i'm watching that and i'm seeing this guy who choreographed this entire ballet and he's watching rehearsals and stuff uh-huh. he has the dumbest look on his face oh right yeah watching his mouth it. is always open his mouth is open he's just bare it looks like he's barely breathing right. and he's just staring right ahead right yeah internally his mind is going he choreographed all this stuff mm-hmm. right like 
there's stuff going on, but he looks stupid. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she could have snapped his picture and called it idiot box and be like, right. see what TV does? And it's like, well, actually, he was watching a ballet. <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what is your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation, you might want to jump on it because uh, I think it's on sale right now okay. on Xbox, if that's how you want to play it. it, is a game called Thomas Was, was Alone. alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that how you're playing it on Xbox? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's also, I'm sure it's on Steam. Yeah, yeah, I think it's on Steam. All right. Is it a walking simulator? I wish. <laughs> I wish. It's it's a puzzle. Okay. Puzzle game. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really good things about it. But I've never. Yeah, yeah. I got. I, I have some thoughts already. I've I've just got into a little bit, but I'd be interested in what you think. Okay. Well, you've been listening to Everything's Interesting. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here. I've been here with Keith Krepko. Uh, everything we talked about in the show, you can find in our show notes on the website eipodcast.com. I don't think we. I have any other things to say. Oh. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you, the show is not on Twitter. If you want to follow us individually on Twitter, I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right. Uh, or you can email me, which is also in the show notes or at the website. And we are also recording a podcast for True Detective, uh, True Detective second season while it is still on the air. And you can listen to that. It's called Everything True Detective. Uh, You can search for it in anything you listen to podcasts on. So that does it for uh, this week's show. We will be back next week uh, with a new challenge, a a fall movie challenge that hopefully will not uh, be uh, canceled, I guess. Or result in my death when I have to eat this (laughs) frozen monstrosity. Sure. Uh, Yeah, so thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.